The New Factory Thinker by Bill Bishop Chapter 7 Old Factory Thinking When Henry Ford perfected the moving assembly line in 1913, old factory thinking had reached its zenith. Up to that point, cars had been built one at a time by craftsmen, making them too pricey for the average person. Ford's assembly line changed all that. His Model T Ford took only 93 minutes to assemble with a new one coming off the line every three minutes. This efficiency allowed Ford to drop the price from $825 in 1908 to $575 in 1913. Millions of people could now afford to buy his car. Even better, Ford was able to raise wages from $1.50 a day to $5 a day, making it easier for his own workers to buy a car as well. The spectacular success of Ford's assembly line was an inspiration to other entrepreneurs. They studied what Ford did and copied his methods in their business. Initially, Ford's assembly line process was applied to other manufactured products, but eventually it influenced service businesses like restaurants and insurance companies. It also became the organizational model for other sectors such as education, healthcare, and government services. All the assembly lines in the economy then joined together into a single, integrated assembly line. Success as a company and as an individual meant fitting into this linear system to find your place in the machine. Whether you worked on an assembly line in a factory, taught high school, or worked at home as a housewife, your role in life was oriented around the organizing principle of an assembly line. This way of life then conditioned our minds to think of the world as an assembly line, to be an assembly line person using assembly line thinking. Today, the vast majority of the people in the world still think and act like it's 1913. And because the world has changed, they feel like strangers in a strange land. They don't know how to navigate this new landscape so they can feel frustrated, angry and scared. You might feel that way yourself. I know I did. That's why we need to deconstruct our old factory thinking. We need to see it for what it is and then do away with it. So what does an assembly line-oriented mind look like? Let's take a look at the underlying concept of an assembly line. It works like this. 1. Acquire resources from the environment or from other organizations. 2. Assemble these resources in an efficient step-by-step -step process. 3. Deliver a quality product or service at a low price. When you get it right, an assembly line is an amazing thing. You can produce millions of cars, toasters, hamburgers, life insurance policies, and handbags, and do it in less time and for less money. You can lower your prices and attract more customers, and if you're a nice employer like Henry Ford, you can raise salaries and give your productive employees big bonuses. The assembly line economy was a wonderful thing. It raised the standard of living for billions of people, and created the modern economy we have today. But it came with unexpected consequences. It wired our minds to see the world from an assembly line perspective. It instructed us to always do more, do it faster, consume more resources, produce and sell more products and services, specialize in a product or service, focus on your individual objectives and Measure results quantitatively. Old factory thinking pervaded all areas of society, but it became manifest most visibly in the structure of companies.
Each company was designed as an assembly line and endeavored to fit into the overall assembly line structure of the economy. Creating and operating a business meant creating and operating an assembly line. This led to a three-stage thinking process, which I call the old factory business model. The three stages are 1. Build your business around a product or service. 2. Build a factory with an assembly line structure. 3. Sell your product or service. Let's look at each of these elements in more detail. 1. Build your business around a product or service. Like Harry and his hammers, old factory thinkers begin with an idea for a product or service. Perhaps they want to design wedding dresses or sell cosmetics. Or maybe they want to provide eldercare services or host extreme travel to the North Pole. Some of their ideas might be truly innovative and creative, but they make a critical error. By defining their business based on a particular product or service, they don't think about what will happen in the future when their offering no longer interests customers or when new competitors start selling the same thing. They don't take into account the possibility of change, competition or technological disruption. And because of this, they may one day regret being typecast. The other problem with building a business around a particular product or service is that you unnecessarily restrict your potential. If you think you're in the hammer business, you can't imagine selling screwdrivers. You lock yourself into a very narrow box. Backslash. Theodore Levitt, a marketing professor at Harvard, diagnosed this self-limiting mentality as marketing myopia. He used the example of the railroad companies at the turn of the 20th century who thought they were in the railroad business and didn't see the potential of branching out into automobiles, airplanes, and other transportation-related businesses. According to Levitt, this myopia caused the railroads to define themselves too narrowly, and as a result, they missed out big opportunities for growth. Having product or service ideas is not wrong. Keep coming up with ideas to provide new kinds of value. Just don't define yourself or your business based on these products or services. 2. Build a factory with an assembly line structure. With a product or service in mind, the old factory thinker then sets out to construct an operational structure to produce it. This often begins with a desk, a computer, telephone, a pad of paper and a pen. This simple start can then lead to giant factories with multi-stage assembly lines, scores of employees punching the clock, and all of the other operational paraphernalia associated with a growing enterprise such as trucks, warehouses, signage, photocopiers, and insurance. But this focus on expanding operations is a trap. Because old factory operations are designed around a particular product or service, you restrict your ability to adapt to changes in the marketplace. If you have an assembly line to make hammers, it's not easy to start making something else. You might also turn a blind eye to the potential of other things because you're emotionally and financially invested in your infrastructure. In addition, the cost of operations can turn into a huge problem if your product or service becomes a commodity. As the price of your product falls, the cost of your overhead remains the same or increases, and this takes a big bite out of your profits. 3. Sell your product or service. Nothing epitomizes the old factory era more than the image of a door-to-door -door salesman peddling vacuum cleaners to apron-clad housewives in the 1950s. While the tacky glad-handing salesperson is a firmly entrenched cultural icon that makes us chuckle, 
most companies today still engage in the same basic approach to sales. Once they've chosen their product or service and built operations around it, they enter the marketplace and give a sales pitch. Their pitch is, here is our great product. It's better than anything else on the market. It's got these amazing features. Here's the price. We'll give you a deal. In the old factory era, straight-up sales worked very well. People were interested in hearing a sales pitch because they weren't being bombarded with thousands of sales messages a day. They were also more accessible because they couldn't hide behind technology like security systems and voicemail. If you knocked on their door, they opened their door to you, and if you called them, they picked up the phone. But that's not the world we live in today. Prospects are much harder to reach because they abhor a sales pitch. Besides being ineffective, a sales pitch mentality has other drawbacks. By focusing on the features and benefits of your product, you might fail to investigate the true needs and wants of your customers. If you have a quota to sell 1,000 hammers, you won't ask the customer what they really want. You don't care. You don't want to discover that they really want screwdrivers. You want them to buy hammers. This emphasis on your personal product hammers and your own goal, sell 1,000 hammers, can make you self-absorbed and uninterested in other people and stop you from developing bigger relationships and making bigger sales. Additional step number four. Do transactions. A fourth extra step, do transactions, is the way old factory thinkers keep score of their success. If they sell 10,000 hammers this year, they want to sell 20,000 hammers next year. Pumping more products and services through the assembly line becomes the key driving force of the organization. All the intellectual and creative energy of the company is focused on determining one thing, how can we move more of our product? While this sounds like the right course of action, transaction-oriented goal-setting is another old factory trap because it diverts attention away from opportunities that might prove to be much more lucrative. By only thinking about how to sell hammers, you don't think to provide other kinds of value, like screwdrivers, that might be even more profitable. Decoding the machine language. The old factory thinking process is so ingrained in our culture we don't question it. But that's what I'm asking you to do, question it. Notice your own thought process. Is your business defined by its product or service? Are your operations built around that product or service? Do you make a sales pitch? Do you keep score by tracking transactions? If you're honest, you'll admit you use old factory thinking. But don't worry. You're not alone. It's used by 99.9% .9 of business people today, in every kind of business, in every kind of industry. This includes manufacturers, service companies, wholesalers, and retailers. It applies equally to consumer or business-to-business-oriented companies. It also applies to most internet-based enterprises. The old factory business model is so ingrained in our thinking that we don't know it's there. It's like the machine language of a computer. The machine language is the deep code programmed into a computer's chip. Most people don't know about this level of programming in their computer. They're familiar with their computer's operating system, like Apple's operating system, and they understand individual software applications such as Word or Excel, but they don't know about their computer's machine language. And yet, it's the machine language that dictates the structure of the operating system and the software applications. 
The same is true with old factory thinking. It has been the core programming of all companies during the past 200 years. But it's so ingrained in our thinking that we don't even know it's there. We now turn to the next chapter and discuss an alternative. New factory thinking.